Hello, and welcome to the Cosmic Weather Report with astrologer Sue Rose. Um, it is a beautiful summer day here in Savannah, Georgia, and we have a very interesting topic today. First of all, I want to say I feel like you've been exploring this topic for a long time. It's one of my favorite topics in astrology. Why? Well, one of the reasons is that about 10, 15 years ago, might even be longer than that, I started reading that they were really prescribing antidepressant drugs to millions and millions of people. And I thought, if people understood that there's a method to the madness of the moon and its relationship to the mood cycles that we have, people would recognize that, you know, it's not uncommon to feel depressed a few days of the month, but then it passes. There's no need to drug it away. And then what happens to a society when millions of people are drugged out of their authentic feelings? That's a, a loss of a major connection. Our feelings are like a compass. They're meant to guide us. Is it so? Is it just for women? Or can, do well, men I, I also? Think, I think that, you know, I think men tend to treat depression more with anger and alcohol and women with the pharmaceuticals. It's not exclusive, but if you do a percentage... Probably COVID shifted it a little bit because I'm hearing much more about depression with people being stuck inside, but it was mostly women taking the antidepressant drugs, you know, like maybe 60, 70 percent. Well, I love that we're exploring this topic because I believe that mental health is finally getting its due, its notice, you yeah. know, its notice of being taken seriously, of being, being validated for people who are experiencing it on, on many different degrees and levels of which they experience it, like with sports and the athletes now and at what's happening there and people sort of embracing the level of stress that causes breakdowns. It is and so true. There's a book out um, and I heard the author talk on one of the radio shows. I think it was PBS. And he did a study of depression all over the world. Well, you know, a number of countries, let's put it that way, because he found that wherever he went, doctors treated it as a biochemical disorder rather than a relationship to what's happening in the world. I mean, if you lose a loved one, you're going to feel a little depressed. If you lose your job, it's natural to feel depressed. And basically, the medical field, from his experience, was uh, making it seem like the actual conditions that cause depression are irrelevant they want to make it all about genes or body chemicals so that they could drug it away. Well, that actually, so it sounds like the moon is related to the relationships that we have with life or with each other. It's, it's right? basically the compass of feelings. You know how they, the expression is you get a gut feeling about something? Well, the moon itself rules the sign of cancer, which represents that part of the body, the stomach, the gut, how you digest food. And it's the planet most related besides Venus to how we form bonds and relationships. The moon in particular relates to family life, which, according to Edgar Cayce, was the hotbed of karma meaning that in family life, you don't get to, you don't seem like you chose your parents when you're born. I mean, from a soul level, I believe that we do. But once you're incarnated, you know, whether your parents are loving or hostile, you're kind of stuck in that situation for years. Well, that's interesting because in Chinese medicine, all of that is relative to the earth element, which is the first bonds of life and digestive processing. And so not, not just processing of food, but processing of anything coming at you, any food stimulation in life. You know, ah. Food for thought. You know, <laughs> Edgar Cayce said thoughts are things and that the thoughts we dwell upon become us. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, as you said, with society beginning to look more honestly at mental health, there's not enough focus on the digestion, nutrition component to that. We live in a fast food nation. America in particular probably has an obesity rate of like 50%. Well, also look at us now when immunity is a crisis for us at this point and how important the digestive system is for yes. our immunity too. So yes. this is all really tying in it together is all in tied this moment. Together. 
Yeah, I say your issues become your tissues that, you know, the unprocessed feelings and emotions and conflicts and stress, of course, they do eventually find their way into the bodily organs and systems. Okay, so what about how the moon is, how important the moon is when, as we relate to each other? Because that's a big deal right now. Okay, so when I do compatibility chart analyses, the moon is really key. Because if you don't have a good moon bond with somebody you're going to live with, you're talking about a war zone. The moon is the family life. It defines the domestic environment. And two people's moons show their emotional cycles. Will they blend and harmonize or are they going to be perpetually in conflict? And oftentimes you'll find within families there are tough moon indications because, like I said, family ties often are karmic. They come from previous incarnations. We're still working on certain lessons with those specific individuals. And it ain't going to always be easy. Do you have any charts that you've read that of people we would know, any examples or relations that, you know, like famous people or anything like that? I don't really do too much compatibility, although I'll tell you this. Um, I sat in in Chicago at an American Federation of Astrologers convention. I loved it. And a woman who's really tops in the field of composite relationship charting, her name is Teresa McDervitt. I sat in on our class and we were so on the same wavelength that I began using it more and more. And what she did is she didn't tell us who it was, but she would put up composite charts. And then as we got to talk, we would know who the couple represented. So there was one, for example, at the time, because it was in the news, was O.J. Simpson and Nicole Simpson. The chart was so full of violence, it was screaming it. So, wow. And she said, this was her direct quote, she said, you know, if you have an accurate time of birth for each individual and you're therefore able to make an accurate composite chart, you do not even have to look at the charts of the separate individuals. The composite will tell the story. So I find it very intriguing. So this would be actually a really good, very interesting chart read for if you're going into business with somebody, if you're yes. moving in with somebody. Yes, yes it is. This would be very valuable information to have. Yes, I think so. You know, um, this is really cute because I think women are more prone to get readings than men. You know, there was a funny, uh, I don't remember if I saw it in a situation comedy where a husband and wife or a girlfriend and boyfriend are sitting in a car and all he's thinking about is the motor and the operation of the car and she's analyzing their relationship and that is so common. So women tend to want to know what's going on in relationships and I could do this with tarot cards too if somebody's nearby, but I can't tell you how many times I did a composite where there was a lot of emphasis on the 11th house, which is friendship. And it's not a romantic tie. And I had this one girl, she was a Sagittarius, he was a Taurus. They had a, a packed 11th house, which is detached. It's Aquarius, it's Uranus. And she wanted that tie. She sent him balloons at his office and it said, let's get this relationship off the ground. But it never did, you know, they didn't have it. And I had a man in Gainesville that was so nice to me. And I'm like, why can't I have a relationship? Why don't I feel anything? Damn, if there wasn't a packed 11th house. You know, he's a they, friend. They need you on that marriage at first sight show. I don't even know what it is. It's with people who've never met and they get, they, they decide, they have, you know, they have, um, what do you call the people who get people, they... Oh, like a matchmaker? Yeah, they have matchmakers who, you know, analyze their You know, in India, they actually stuff. do this. In India, they use astrology they to use make Vedic? the matches. They probably do. Yes, they use the Vedic. Yeah, I feel like you would be you would be a great component to one of those television shows. Where... The only thing is that I might kill the tie before it began. No, but that's okay. There's there's hundreds of people who are applying for these shows to go on them. So well, you, you know, find maybe the we'll right... pitch it. Maybe we or can send a copy could, of the you, podcast. You could even find, like, the right drama match, you know, because, they, you know, they obviously don't want everyone to succeed because that's not drama. You don't, right. you don't just want to watch. Right. rom-com you want to watch you want to watch well drama. in a composite you don't want to see neptune the delusion illusion deception planet active on any of the relationship planets which are the sun the moon the venus the mars 
You know what I mean? Like sometimes a whole generation will have a hard Neptune aspect because remember what I said that the outer planets take forever. Uh, Neptune spends 14 years crossing a given sign. So that means that whole 14 year peer group has the same Neptune. And if it should square Saturn for the two year period, the millions of people born in that peer group are going to have Saturn square Neptune. And then anybody they marry, if they're from the same age, peer group is going to have the same thing. It'll reflect in the composite chart. Is there a certain sign that's ruled by the moon or governs yes, the Yes, cancer moon? is ruled by the moon, and that's why cancer men really do tend to be the weirdest. Sorry, guys, but it's really true. I mean, I knew this one guy. In fact, he taught me astrology in London. This guy used to go running naked under full moons in London. Hello. So, I mean, cancer men, they're almost like the werewolf archetype. They don't like to, you know, sleep at night. They're like night wolves, and they do strange things. But it's not a violent sign, typically. You know, I will be publishing my serial killer piece that was originally in Dell Horoscope magazine. I did edit it for a new podcast, but um, I should say website. And the sign that came up number one for serial killers was Gemini, the Dr. Jekyll, ah, Mr. Yes. Hyde. It blew my mind. I didn't expect that. It makes, kind of makes sense. Oh, well, they could, have a could Piscean could, could do there that, too, There were a too, lot of typically. Pisces, too. It's not really considered a violent sign. The Pisces ones tend to be more with kids because they can overpower them. Like, uh, I think it was Gacy. I think he was a Pisces, but I don't have my notes in front of me, so I can't be absolutely sure. We have to do a true crime podcast episode okay. where you talk about this because I think people would be to. fascinated by it. Anyway, the idea is that women can chart, and we're going to show with the podcast a dial that anybody could make. You need two dials. You put a little pin or a, maybe like a paper clip or something, even a screw in the middle, so that both dials are 12 segments. Think of a pie with 12 pieces. One of those dials with 12 segments, and you should color them in different colors, would be the moon. The moon going from Aries all the way through back to Pisces. Then you do the same thing with the sun. Make the sun dial a little larger than the moon dial so one fits on top of the other. I usually put a number, 1 to 12, for the sun position. And then I use a letter, A through, I believe it's G, on the moon. And then you have a code, like 1A means sun and moon are in Aries. 1B means the sun is in Aries and the moon is in Taurus. And you can learn to see how the cycles repeat. So it's like your moon you dance feel. clock. And you journal it, like... You won't know what's going on for at least a year because you have to watch the pattern recur. Now, every month, say, when the moon goes back to Taurus, where it is today, you might say, you know what? I do eat more when the moon is in Taurus, or I'm more into gardening, or I'm more into connecting to the earth, or I'm more sensual, and I love oh. getting my massage on the moon Taurus. The moon Aries is, Aries is a sign ruled by Mars, so there's more self-interest. It's also the idea of spring, like a fire is lit under your behind. So if there's been any job you didn't want to do, any project you were sort of reluctant to begin, the moon Aries is a heck of a kick-ass start point. Two and a half days later, the moon goes into Taurus. This is grounded and earthy. It puts us in touch with our sensuality and our appetites. Um, sometimes people are more pragmatic and practical. They think more in terms of things like real estate, even money. Then the moon for the two and a half days later goes into Gemini. That's the sign of happy talky talky. People call you. Everybody wants to talk. There's more talk show. Noise comes at you. And because Gemini is dichotomy, i.e. the twins, you may feel an inner challenge or an inner uh, kind of a question between two paths to take. Then the moon goes into Cancer. And I noticed when I lived with this one gentleman for about seven years, this really pulled up family conflict. It was because he had his Mars in Cancer, so it triggered his Mars. But Cancer is the sign of the home and family. And depending on the aspects the moon makes in your own birth chart will determine how you experience the moon in Cancer because it's going to, you know, really give a lot of power to the moon in your chart. 
and cancer brings up a lot of old, unfinished karmic emotional business. On a different note, moon cancer could make you just want to be at home in your shell, like the crab in the shell. Then two and a half days later, the moon goes in Leo. That's the most romantic, dramatic sign. When the moon is in Leo, we feel more in touch with our heartfelt emotions. Uh, we may be more dramatic in their expression. There may be more interest in getting together with children because Leo is about kids. Two and a half days later, moon's in Virgo, which is about health, appetite, diet, perfectionism. It's really cute because before I had my own washing machine at home, <laughs> I would try not to go to the laundromat on Moon Virgo because it would be packed. This is when everybody gets the vibe of I better do the wash, you know, and you'll clean in places you wouldn't normally clean. Like who gives a shit what's happening under the refrigerator? But the Moon in Virgo, it's like suddenly I have my rag underneath, you know what I mean? <laughs> that explains so much in my house. Okay. Then it goes to Libra two and a half days later. And Libra is like the sign of balance and trying to find diplomacy and peace among, you know, conflicting tribes. It's the sign of counseling, law it's really a good time to kind of get your balance. It's good for accounting as well. Then the moon goes into Scorpio, and this is a position where if people have any vengeance or any vendetta, the moon Scorpio triggers it. You know, it would be interesting to do a kind of analysis if more crime did take place when the moon is in Scorpio because it really pulls up the dark side. It's the underbelly, the underworld. Two and a half days later, the moon's in Sagittarius, the fitness sign. Everybody's out jogging. Everybody's at the park. This is like the, the archetype of Pan, the god of nature. And people want to be in touch with nature. It's a great time to go sailing or hiking or, um, you know, connecting, even tree climbing or tree houses. That's becoming popular now in some of these Airbnbs. Then the moon is in Capricorn, and I always wait for that, to do the stuff I hate to do, like anything that deals with government bureaucrats, anything that deals with, you know, things like getting the car registered or getting uh, financial records ready for the accountant. Capricorn is so down to earth. It gives you the patience to deal with those tasks that people like me, I'm a fire sign. I don't usually have the patience for it. Launching a website? Not on Capricorn. No. <laughs> Not on Capricorn, unless it's for... Um, accountants. Okay. <laughs> then Aquarius, that's when you launch it. Aquarius is avant-garde. It's original. It's cutting edge. It's, it's got about novelty, innovation, invention. It's, it's iconoclastic. It's the most inventive sign of the zodiac. And last is Pisces. When the moon is in Pisces, if people do struggle with anything that's addiction related, including alcoholism, or even things like shopping addictions, anything where your boundaries are very diffusive, be careful. Because when the moon is in Pisces, you're not going to feel a sense of where to begin and where to end. Now, if people are into tantric sex, the moon in Pisces could really blend two beings into one. That's why Aphrodite, which is the goddess who comes out of the sea foam of, of uh, Neptune Poseidon, is all about the senses. And she's exalted in the sign of Pisces. This means the planet has a special power in that particular sign, even though it's not the sign she typically governs. So is this, this is like a clock, so 12 it's a, phases. You're exactly monthly? right. Well, the moon, it's fascinating because every 29 days, the sun and the moon meet. The sun spends the same 30 days in a sign. This is really cute what I'm going to say. The sun rules men, yang. So when the woman who is more connected to the moon in the inside is going through all these changes, like one day she's cleaning under the refrigerator, the next day she wants to jump into bed, Down the next sex. day she's like, leave me alone, I don't want to see you. He thinks she's a lunatic. The word lunacy comes from this, because really everything is clocked to patriarchy in the masculine side, the left brain, nothing goes with the right brain, which is meant to be the co-pilot and the counterbalance and the complement to all this yang energy. So, you know, my joke is that if men... If we had a society where the feminine was as exalted as the masculine and women really rotated into all these 12 archetypes, no man would have to have infidelity. 
he would have 12 mints in one. And that might also work in, in gay relationships too, because I think there's still a yin-yang counterpart in gay relationships, and whoever is more yin is gonna act out the lunar cycle. And yes, it repeats every, the moon only takes 29 days to go through all 12 signs. So she's constantly every two and a half days changing signs. What I think is beautiful, and this really came to me poetically, Every 29 days, the sun and the moon meet. I read this as a cosmic marriage, a union of the lights. And as any marriage might be fertile, where the two meet, like, you know, the next time they're going to meet will be in Virgo, it gives birth to the archetype, the energy that governs that sign field. So Virgo is still ruled by Mercury. At some point, we may have another planet that governs that sign. You know, that's happened with Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto's discoveries. But Virgo, Mercury represents mind stuff. You know, anything to do with um, learning, teaching, writing, and in Virgo, we love filing and organizing and data collecting and making things more efficient and getting them, you know, cleaned up. It's a great time to clean up messes, which is probably why there's more hurricanes that month than any other time. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, I see it as the Virgo order against the Pisces chaos because the full moon always means the luminaries are 180 degrees apart. So if, if the sun is in Virgo, that means by necessity, the full moon will be in Pisces, which is that whirling dervish sign of two fish. And the winds always whirl. Because the thing is, if you make a dial, and you don't even have to make a dial, you could use the website www.astro.com. Astro.com will show you where the moon is every single day. So if you're not an astrologer, and this is all alien turf, which I, I imagine it is to many listeners... You can learn where the moon is, you can see it yourself, and then keep your own little notes, make a journal. And every 29 days, the moon will return to where you began, and you could watch it. And, you know, after two or three months, you might begin to see your own pattern emerge. Yeah, that's a really great self-awareness tool. Exactly, that's what I designed it to be. And, yeah. and, you know, I really, like I said, the moon in Pisces makes us very sensitive. I feel sorrow on it, but welcome your sorrow, embrace this whole range of emotions that flesh is air too, because what it does is it allows us to link. The moon is a linking planet with other people on the basis of feeling what they feel. You I don't was want just, to shut that, that was, down. Yeah, that was going to be my question was, what do you think the purpose of that is for us as a human species to experience well, that? Well, I think, I think that a society that really feels what things are is not going to be a society that destroys nature. There you go. Not going to be a... Dis or each other. I was just going to say, a society that has the lion's share of its uh, extra funds devoted to weapons and war. Because it is, that is such an effete model. You know, I've talked about this in a prior podcast. It belongs to the age of Aries. It should have been packed up 2,200 years ago. Yeah. So it maintains sort of this health, it maintains a healthy level of compassion. Or yes. it has the potential to. Yeah, exactly. Within us, within us all. That's what namaste what a, means. I feel you and I honor you. What you know? a beautiful thought that that... I see it as, you know, the people who really, let's say they really do go into madness where their, their emotions are really outside of what society allows. Yeah. That's like the canaries in the coal mine. <clears throat> I feel like, you know, they're the ones who are really reacting to the fact that I heard that there are thousands of people homeless in L.A. How could we have a society where there are a handful of billionaires that have more money than they can spend in 10 lifetimes and then there's this much homelessness? It doesn't make any sense. It's not a normal society. And that's another thing, you know, I do have a bit of a beef with the pharmaceutical field and even the psych, you know, the field of psychiatry and psychology. I feel like they're normalizing people to see this as the way society should be, you know, by, by placating people and making these kinds of horrors acceptable or passed off. Man, that's like shutting up those canaries in the coal mine. And it's not going to be very good for society's long-term sustainability. So, but you, 
So you also, do you teach about this or do you have workshops about this? I was actually planning to launch workshops right before COVID came in. So hopefully, perhaps with your own incredibly expert help, Candice, we could launch something like a moon dance workshop online. Virtual. Virtual. But I mean, I do really feel this is an empowering tool, like you said. And then, you know, like we, a lot of us women are defined by men, our fathers, our brothers, our boyfriends, our husbands, you know, maybe a male colleague or mentor. We don't want to be seen as normal in their eyes because, you know what, men really don't acknowledge the vicissitudes and the changeability of the moon. And they see this as kind of like madness rather than a fundamental component of the female experience. I call it the feminine dimension of time. So how can a man connect into something like this then? By appreciating the, uh, the wingspan of his mate. You know, when we look at the time of Leave it to Beaver, that poor June Cleaver in those tiny little dresses with the kitchen food on the table exactly at 5 p.m. and letting Ward Cleaver solve all the problems, that ain't the model of the Artemis modern Aquarian age woman. You know, I think that men can actually expand themselves by reflecting what the female in their life is experiencing rather than shutting it down. Is, isn't it possible that they can, on some level, that they are tapping into the, yes. the moon's yes. phases as yes. well? Like, exactly. How can, well, how cancer can they... men in particular... Well, how, do they, how can they society, recognize it? Look at society. If a man shows feelings, he's called a sissy yeah. or worse. Um, in the military, they're not allowed any emotion. In the office, you're not allowed emotion. One time I made a grunt noise in a courtroom and the judge practically threw me out by the hair. You know, emotions are really um, not allowed in our society, which is a way of shutting down feelings. And it's shutting down the female side of the force. It really does. So you're saying that men, men are raised that way? The whole society and they're not, and they're whole not patriarchal they're not encouraged to experience. Oh, not at all. This. And I honestly, there was a book written. It said that boys cry bullets. I don't remember the name of the author, but this was the point he made that by suppressing and submerging the emotions in men from a very young age, some of them really end up exploding in violent ways. Well, look at uh, look at school shootings. Yeah, that Dylan Roof guy. I mean, you know, this isn't Mr. Macho and his only way to show masculinity in a society where Mars is such a strong archetype and men are sort of prone to be warriors or athletes and a lot of men don't measure up to that. You know, maybe they want to show other men, hey, look what I can do with a gun. Yeah. It's pretty scary. It's unfortunate that those are their only choices of what they can be in the world. But it wouldn't be if the 12 zodiac signs were all given equal standing in the cosmic democracy that the zodiac reflects. Right. You know, I made the point in an earlier podcast that Mars is a disproportionate representation. What I say is Mars is too much with us. Yeah. You know, in the United States, you've got police force, sheriff force, highway patrol, marine patrol, DEA. I mean, there's just so many policing forces. All that is Mars. So in your book, Moondance, do you talk about this as well? I mean, is this is Moondance a good primer for people oh, I, to pick up I and think read? Moondance, I think it's Moondance, Cassandra's Tale, and, you know, those are probably my two most important. Cassandra's Tale is great, is great for children because yes, at that young age, they can start to learn that there's more than just what what society is dictating for you to be. Exactly. And that's the whole point, because first of all, there's no sides in the circle. And everything in the world we live in is, is you're on this side or that side, black, white, Christian, Jew, Muslim, Christian, you know. I mean, everything is dichotomized to the point of insanity. It's bifurcated. Never the twain shall meet. But as I said in another podcast, if we don't reconcile those two fish swimming in opposite directions at the final phase of the Piscean Age, there could be a, a tremendous schism of this world. Right. That's what happened to Atlantis, according to Edgar Cayce. So, yes, Moondance, you know, it's my book, and I love that book, and I would love to see more people get into it. 
And in the future, we may be able to do a virtual workshop that would certainly guide open-minded readers. I'm not saying that, you know, people that are super depressed and have a chemical imbalance will necessarily get off meds, but I am saying that people that don't really need the meds will find a tremendous archaeological tool into the soul's archaeology, and they could follow it and learn from it and enrich themselves in becoming more aware of the journey that they, in a body, are intended to take. Well... Um, I think that uh, the, uh, the book Moon Dance is a great primer for anybody who wants to get a little intro into what you're talking about. And I do think you've got to get a workshop going virtually for people to le first learn the dial, which they're going to see on the video. So th that would be really great for people to love and to do it because I do have a book called Every Woman's Guide to Oracles. And I even teach how to create your own oracle, kind of like the rune stones, because we all need guidance. Yeah. You know, we all come to periods where it's like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, and we all, and it's hard sometimes to access inside, like our your higher self. It's hard to go beyond our personality. You know what I'm saying? To get oh yeah, to, to ego get to that loves place. to blind us and keep us in a in a certain level. Like I call that flatlands. Yeah, you know the moment of epiphany. Sometimes you don't know when it's coming. You could be walking in a park, walking on the beach, riding a bicycle. That's one of my favorite ones. Or doing yoga, tai chi meditation, of course. Yeah, and sometimes these tools will help us be able to reach down in and. And grab a hold of that information. So that stay tuned for these new tools we'll be sharing. And meanwhile, may the stars and the moon be well, with you. Well, I'd like to say that a lot of these tools are already there. Like your books are already on your website. Your website is launched, suerosastrology.com. It's great. There's tons of information. And I love your articles. I mean, the Cosmic Funny Bone is, is, that's a lot of work that you put into that. I do put a lot of work into my articles. And I'm looking forward to the true crime stuff that you're going to do Coming too. up soon. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us.